0: welcome to episode 81 of the running on um podcast this is your host julia hanlon and i'm excited to have dr richard hansen chiropractic doctor high school cross-country coach and runner on the podcast As you may recall, this past summer, I spent three weeks in Boulder, Colorado, and released the Boulder series, podcast episodes number 56 through 65. I met Dr. Hansen for my first time ever getting a chiropractic treatment in Boulder at his high-altitude spine and sport clinic. And was totally blown away by his extensive knowledge from numerous different arenas, including being a former collegiate runner, high school cross country coach, and his studies in chiropractic medicine, active release technique, and the Graston technique. I was able to catch up with Dr. Hansen last week, and I'm excited to share with the Running Auto community his story and insight on running from his different perspectives. Before we get into the interview with Dr. Hansen, I'm going to ask you, member of the Running On OM community, just by tuning into this very podcast, even if it's your first time, to consider leaving a review of the podcast on iTunes. The more reviews the podcast gets, the easier it will be for more like-minded people to find the podcast on iTunes interface. It'll take you less than two minutes. I know there have been thousands of listens to the podcast, and I would really love to hear what you think. The 30th person to leave a review gets a sweet prize from running on OM, so please leave a review and be considered for the surprise prize. Let's jump into the show with Dr. Hansen. In this podcast, he tells why he started running in 6th grade, reflections from his experience competing in high school and in college at UC San Diego, his two most memorable races of his collegiate career, how Dr. Hansen knew he wanted to go to school for orthopedic medicine, His journey opening high-altitude spine and sport clinic in Boulder and why he chose Boulder in particular. Three things every runner can do to prevent injury right now. His upcoming race calendar. The psychology of high school coaching. One person Dr. Hansen would love to meet and sit down and have coffee with revealed. All this and more on this episode of the Running on OM podcast. Oh, Welcome, Dr. Hansen, to the Running on OM podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know we've been trying to touch base for a while, so it's exciting to finally get to do it.
0: Totally. And when I was in Boulder earlier this summer working at Boulder Running Camps with Coach Jay Johnson, I got to meet Dr. Hansen in person and actually receive a treatment from him. And I was just so impressed by how he brought in both kind of chiropractic work active release therapy, and just had such an incredible knowledge of the body from so many different mediums. But before I understand kind of your educational background, I want to understand your athletic background. So how did you first start running or being active as a kid?
1: Um, So I played a lot of different sports growing up between baseball, basketball, competitive swimming, uh, volleyball, you name it, I was in it. But My mom signed me up for a road 5k that took place at Disneyland when I was in 6th grade, which I thought was so cool that you can run through the park as part of this 5k and you see a lot of the Disney characters while you're racing. And so that was kind of my first experience with actually being in a competitive atmosphere when it came to, to distance running. We didn't really have a middle school track team. It was just kind of something you did as a fitness thing. So my first exposure from like a competitive aspect was that road 5K. Until I got to high school, when it came to cross country and track, I did cross country more as a means to get in shape for basketball. My first practice ever, I remember we the the older athletes took me into the weight room. This was during summer before school even started, and we were doing some weightlifting stuff. And I was a scrawny little five foot nothing uh, little high school kid, and I could barely lift the bar when we were doing bench pressing and then we went out for a little two and a half mile run around campus. I got in the car after practice and my mom said, uh, so what did you think? And I said, I hate it. I'm never going back. Like I, I just absolutely hated the idea that we were doing distance running as a means to like practice. Like that was the entirety. But then I went out to the first organized practice where the rest of the team was there and the girls team was all present. I went to an all boys Catholic school, so our guys with the all girls team were kind of joint practices. And I ended up being uh, one of the better freshmen that was on the team and made varsity as a freshman. And so it was kind of one of those like, kind of opened my eyes a little bit, that it was something that I was decent at, that it was something that um, right from the start I was on a varsity squad, whereas with basketball, like I said, I was a five foot nothing kid. I couldn't drive to the right. I could only shoot threes. My high school coach beat me in a pickup game. Like it was one of those where, one on one hand, it wasn't something that I was naturally drawn to, but it was something that I was in, I was just naturally good at. And the other hand, something that I loved doing, but I just wasn't as good as it at, at it competitively. That my high school coach sat me down my junior year to kind of pull me away from that other sport and try to convince me to focus on running and and track, and it, it didn't really dawn on me, it, even looking back now, like, it's something that I would naturally do post-high school. It was just something where, well, I know I pro- I'm probably not going to make, like, the starting team on the basketball team if I continue to play, especially since I was as short as I was, um, and it was something that I just decided to focus a little bit more on running. Now, after I quit basketball and I started focusing on running, I ended up growing six inches that next summer. So there's that little part of it's that's like, well, I, I wish I could have continued to play basketball. But it was something that that's kind of what got me into the sport initially was my mom just throwing me in this local 5K and then doing it as conditioning for other sports, but then uh, realizing that, you're one of the better athletes at least on the local school team and you're being competitive in some of these high school invitationals or races that you're you're being a part of and i think the first time that i actually like really like got driven to the sport was when you start seeing that your time's dropping in whether it's a cross-country race or a track race and knowing that you can do better and that you want to get out there and kind of perform at a different level and that you're, you're getting close to winning some of these races and you actually want to try to win some of them the following year. So it wasn't until my senior year that I actually, I didn't know people trained in the off season either. So my senior year going into high school, it was the first time I ran in the off season and you start seeing the, the, the bigger jumps and improvement that when I was looking at colleges, it was something that, well, maybe I'll consider running post high school. So, um, Applying to a bunch of different colleges, I started talking to some of the coaches and went on a couple recruiting trips, which is how I ended up at UC San Diego. And just love the atmosphere, love the coach, love the culture of the team, and that I think is where I really started getting a little bit more engulfed in the sport. Was once I once I got to the college style, where it's a little bit, it's a good balance of fun plus seriousness, and just wanting to pursue it from there and improve and seeing some of the improvements my older teammates were making and wanting those same types of improvements as I was going, knowing that I was a little bit newer into the sport, so um, yeah, college was really where I started loving the sport, high school was more of a means that it got me into it, Um, but once I was in in college, um, especially with cross country, like in, in high school I really loved the track races. Because of that objective nature, especially the speed stuff when it came to the 800 and, and mile, everything was standardized. You could try to beat your time on that, at that distance every time out. It wasn't until college that I really got into, like, more of the distance running side and um, really getting into cross country. So that's kind of how I got started, was just being thrown into it by my mom and um, kind of being pulled away from other sports that I really enjoyed playing from a team aspect, but... But getting into the idea that, like, the only thing that's going to affect my ability to play is myself. And especially from the improvement side, too, being able to intrinsically push yourself to improve each time out. So.
0: And when you look at your college career, what stands out to you as your most memorable race? Whether that was one that was very challenging or one that everything just kind of flowed in and you felt great?
1: Well, there was there's two in particular. One that ended... Positively, and one that ended negatively. There was one um, for cross country where I was—I had been on our competitive A squad most of the year, but started kind of fading, toward uh, fading a little bit towards the end of the year. And it really came down to our conference meet as to who was going to make our regional and national squad. And uh, top seven on that squad were were uh, going to make it to the regional or, or national meet, and. Um, not having the best race in that and being left off the regional team was, was tough at the time. It was, but at the same time, like I had no one to blame but myself. Like looking back, the long run, the off season training were things that I just wasn't accustomed to when I was running in high school, not, not knowing that that was a big part of that training and realizing that going into, um, that, that conference meet, that those were things that helped get me to be in a position to be able to make that, that regional and national team was doing some of that year-round off-season training but just coming up a little bit short at the end. Um, kind of drove me a little bit more to want to have some good track seasons after that and uh, really forced me to, to get a little bit more serious about my training because things kind of fell a little bit short that year. Um, in uh, track, like I, I competed in everything from the 800 up to the 1500, and did a couple, or up to the steeplechase, and did a couple 5Ks as well. Um, and track was something too. Like we had a pretty decent team when I was in in college. That <sighs> there were a couple races, especially at some of our home races, where you end up winning winning your heat in those invitationals. That it's just kind of neat to be. To be at your home stadium and know that you put in a lot of work to be able to get, to be able to compete in those meets and have the ability to actually, to win some college races was, was pretty fun. Um, I think the biggest thing that college taught me was like, not just about like performing myself, but like what being a distance runner actually meant. Like the amount of work that it takes, the, the type of progression or periodization that being a Uh, upper level athlete takes whether it's collegiate or post collegiate um and just kind of seeing the work that a lot of my teammates myself and older runners on the team would have to put in in order to be able to be in a position to either race at nationals or or uh we had a guy on our team that had been a a couple time national champion and um i think that's the biggest takeaway from college like it the team aspect is obviously it's like it's a family it's a brotherhood it's um you're with each other so much as part of the week that um, looking back, I think that's the dynamic I miss the most is just that camaraderie but from a training perspective in particular just learning the fundamentals of what training in the sport means like weight training aside from distance running, the amount of mileage that people do like I, I was so unfamiliar with that when I was getting to college I was fortunate enough I was able to run in college just based off of ability not really being educated in the sport getting to that point so um, high school for me was more of just like I was purely based off of what I was capable of with the genetics that I was given and then being in college I really had to work to be able to one make the competitive squad each year that I was on the team but also be in positions to make conference and regional and national squads and then, obviously, trying to progress through without getting injured at the same time, doing college-level uh, mileage was was a challenge, but I was fortunate to be able to have that opportunity. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it was an incredible learning experience for you and total immersion in running culture when you arrived there. And your work now, you continue to be immersed in that, in the running community. How did right. you know you wanted to be a doctor of chiropractic medicine? Is um, that like something you thought about through your entire life?
1: No. So I when I went to UC San Diego, I actually wanted to be a sports journalist, and I took my first couple journalism classes and absolutely hated it. Like it, it was so subjective to me that a lot of your work, like writing style, from one professor to another, could be completely different, and you're judged based on certain aspects that they're looking for. It's just like if you were an artist and having your art judged by a different artist with a different style so you would connect really well with some professors and other professors the writing style would be completely different and you're judged based off of that criteria which was something that was hard for me to accept like I like that objectivity um that there's a standardized way of whether it be um looking at uh, when we're talking about health mechanics now looking at someone's gait analysis and you're looking at certain joint angles and certain movement patterns to to determine what type of breakdowns are occurring so i after my my sophomore year i switched over to more of a science major which was i i did biology and psychology at ucsd and it was uh It was something that I could identify a little bit more with. I came from – my dad was a healthcare practitioner. And so um, having that influence and kind of being with a very similar mindset, it was something that kind of interests me. Now on the flip side, I wanted to work with sports. And so orthopedics was something that I originally was looking at going into, going to med school and then following up with doing orthopedics. But I get really – it's gonna sound really weak, but I get really squeamish around blood and needles. And I couldn't I couldn't see myself doing that. Plus, from an athletic perspective, like orthopedics are someone that obviously helped prolong or save an athletic career, but it's also something that people dread going to because they know the types of procedures that they're gonna be receiving. So I started looking more at rehabilitation medicine, especially with PT school. Um but when we were in in undergrad, our coach, anytime someone would get hurt, would send us to a sports chiropractor down in San Diego that did ART and um, rehab exercises and strength and conditioning, and he was working with a lot of the San Diego Chargers and San Diego Padres at the time. And so seeing those types of athletes coming into his clinic while you're getting treated for various little things that would happen... it. It was something that I started looking at the chiropractic profession as well and so I started comparing PT and chiropractic schools and um, liked the direction that I could take with a chiropractic degree and um, especially the school I went to had a pretty big sports medicine influence that especially getting to be able to work with a bunch of different sports teams in my graduate school program it was it was the right fit it's just I kind of fell into that based on the recommendation of who our coach would send us to go see um that I went from one direction which was orthopedics to then looking at PT to then looking at chiropractic and ultimately deciding on chiropractic.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible how it just kind of lined up for you and it sounds like in a way you didn't have a lot of control over it in the sense that it was just the people in your life that you it, were exposing you to these different things.
1: Oh, absolutely. And like, I did my research obviously on the different professions and careers and locations of different schools and Types of things that those schools would focus on that is just, it was something that very much interested me at the time and obviously has been pretty, pretty worthwhile since then. So,
0: yeah. And I mean, since then, you've opened up a very successful um, clinic in Boulder called the High Altitude Sport and Spine. How did you know you wanted to open that up? And I mean, you're a young guy. I feel like it's a pretty big kind of endeavor to open up your own place. Was that, did you ever have any doubts of whether you could do that?
1: Uh, yes and no. I mean, the tough part when you're opening up practice is one deciding on the area that you can potentially see yourself in, and a lot of people tend to open up practices in areas that they're familiar with or that they have a good base or know a lot of people. And for me, Boulder was a place that uh, when I was an undergrad, I read the book Running with the Buffaloes, and They would talk about a lot of the legendary runs that these people, that that the team members would do. And one summer I wanted to get away from San Diego and go someplace new. And so I decided to take a physiology class up at at CU Boulder and absolutely love the area, love the trails that we got to run on. And so when I was going through grad school... I was starting to think about where I could potentially see myself setting up practice. And a lot of my friends that were in class were staying pretty close to where our graduate school was in Southern California. But for me, it was either going to be stay in Southern California and go back down to San Diego, or I really liked the Oregon area, so I considered going up there, or in Northern California, um, or moving out to Boulder. And... Boulder was a place that I could always see myself coming back to and a place that I wanted to spend a little bit more time. And so when I was deciding over my last year through residency, I decided that Boulder was going to be a place to be. So I was emailing with a bunch of doctors to potentially be an associate doc when I first moved out here. Um, and as soon as I took the last part of my board exams, I had already completed all my schools. So I jumped in the car and moved out to Boulder and. Um, A month and a half later, after getting my state certification, I opened up practice um, where I rented space out of an existing office for two years. I started from scratch, didn't really know anybody in the area, and uh, just kind of grew from there. I think the biggest thing that got started was I wasn't really familiar with the area, but I still wanted to run. So I joined a running group, and then from there, you just kind of – I mean, your name starts spreading from there. so. Um, yeah, it grew pretty quickly, surprisingly, for being in practice as short a time as I have been. Um, but I think part of it had to do with my experience as being a collegiate distance runner, being in an area where endurance athletics is such a popular avenue. And then um, just, I don't want to say luck, it's just being in contact with people that liked what I was doing and were willing to put it out there, so...
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing how it sounds like word of mouth and kind of the running community again has been a huge part of kind of your progression as a person, both in your own athletic development and now as in your work. When you look at the last month, can you take me to an <coughs> instance of one patient you've worked with that you've seen either a big breakthrough in or a big challenge you guys overcame together in their own development as an athlete?
1: Yeah, I mean, you see positives and negatives with different cases, obviously. And one of the more challenging ones over the past month is because a lot of the athletic injuries that I'm seeing are sports-related and obviously running-related too, hip complaints tend to be a, a high one. And I saw a patient recently, she's a high school athlete, that has a labral tear. And we see a lot of labral tears, and some need operations and some don't but she's a high school cross country runner that has hopes of competing in college. And she's a candidate that obviously fits into that surgical realm that, which is a hard one to do. You're, you're obviously in a profession that you're trying to prevent surgery or, or try to rehab it conservatively. So that surgery is not an option, but in certain circumstances, that's something that needs to be done. And then you're trying to rehab that patient after. So she's going to be obviously getting surgery and, it's something that hopefully we can rehab her through afterwards to where she'll still be able to compete at the same level that she was able to prior to that. It's just, that's kind of a harder one because of her age and looking back at myself when I was first starting in into the sport and not really knowing much as it, as it came to running and she being a much better educated runner than I was at that same age. And, realizing the type of procedure that she's going to have performed it's that's a little bit harder to see but at the same time i'm fortunate that or fortunate or unfortunate i guess like i see a lot of those cases so at least we have the confidence we can rehab her it's just it's hard to see based on her age um and then on the flip side is it's it's also we tend to see a lot of cases where people have gone through the gamut of practitioners that they've seen and the biggest thing that we see when it comes to a rehab is just the misdiagnosis that can kind of prolong that 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 rehab process so it's it's always nice when you're seeing someone for the first time and they give you the feedback that I've seen everybody and no one's been able to figure out what's going on and within uh like one or two Treatments you're able to diagnose and kind of help with that. I mean, one of my patients is a pretty popular uh, trail runner, and um, he was kind enough to to, to mention me in a magazine interview that he did of kind of that same type of feedback, where he had seen a bunch of different practitioners for this one injury that had kind of kept him out of training for six months, and we uh, we were able to diagnose and get him back to running within. Two treatments, so that was kind of exciting too. Especially with his notoriety, that um, you you have the fortune to be able to to come across a lot of these different types of endurance athletes out in this area, and you just hope that the feedback that you're going to get is one going to be well received, but then also is something that's going to help increase that healing opportunity as the patient's trying to rehab. So yeah, and that I
0: mean and that these people, I mean, you are so integral to people's healing process in that you have this information that they may not have yet and that you're able to kind of provide that space for them. It's really awesome. When you think about injury prevention, I mean, both of these cases you've been talking about are injuries. What would you say are three things you wish you had on a megaphone to tell all distance runners in the world as far as injury prevention goes?
1: Uh, Number one, I would say... More pressure does not always mean better. And the reason why I say that is the foam roller is an obviously common self-therapy tool that a lot of runners use, which is which is fine. Fascial rolling and fascial manipulation is a big part of trying to minimize your injury risk or, or slow an injury from becoming worse. But digging into a tissue, uh using the foam roller super aggressively, using the stick super aggressively those are all things that could also flare up an injury so just knowing that more pressure doesn't always mean better that you you have to go in accordance like when we're treating soft tissue injuries a lot of it is based on we're putting pressure down to the tissue that we're trying to address going past that point doesn't necessarily mean that we're making it improve that much more effectively it just means that we could be pushing and damaging that tissue even more. So just go with the pressure that gets you on the tissue or the area of pain that potentially is flared up and just work it lighter can still have a positive effect and it's less likely to to flare stuff up. So that would be number one, more pressure doesn't always mean better. Number two would be, although most runners hate the pool, using the pool as an area of flushing during the week is a huge, huge thing because there's a pressure difference between fluid outside our surface versus inside. Just getting in the water to move doesn't – I prefer getting in the pool and moving in the shallow much more than I do ice bathing because you're having a positive movement where you're creating a pumping mechanism at the joint to force fluid out. You're, you're making sure that that fluid is obviously moving and adding movement also creates blood flow to that tissue and you're not blocking that process from occurring by icing it aggressively. So utilizing the pool when, if and when possible, especially um, college level athletes or student athletes that have access to that with the rec centers, um, that's something especially for the older athletes that becomes important just from a recovery process. And then number three would be uh, timing of when you do certain modalities um, as it relates to training progression. So, especially that comes important with strength training, too. And don't, I mean, if we could add a fourth, the other would be don't neglect strength training. Just because you're running doesn't necessarily mean that you're intrinsically strong, just means that you're running a lot and that you're probably going to, you could get faster by running a lot, but you're also just working your body in one system, in one plane of motion that you're neglecting other planes that potentially could keep you a little bit healthier. So don't neglect strength training, but when you're doing, um, your, your, when you're laying out your training week, try to balance when you're doing certain training modalities, recovery modalities and strength training stuff in that, say the night before a hard workout you're not getting an aggressive massage on your tissue because that can make things lethargic if you're trying to do explosive strength training doing it the day of a hard workout after the hard workout instead of the day before a hard workout and most of your strength training too um, should be geared towards postural and overall pelvic and torso stability as opposed to um, just trying to do a bunch of like bicep curls and bench pressing like Things that, although will make you intrinsically strong, aren't mimicking the sport mechanics of what you're trying to accomplish. So, if we're speaking in terms of just running, like trying to mimic those running mechanics, but things that are going to help balance out your structure so that you can handle the type of volume, mileage, or intensity that you're trying to trying to perform. So.
0: Brilliant. I think I'm going to have to go take notes on all that later. <laughs> so I like, Sorry, I
1: ramble quite a bit. No,
0: it's great. I mean, you're a well of information. In your own running, I know you have an upcoming race that by the time we publish this podcast, you will already have crossed the finish line. So tell listeners a little bit about that and what you're excited about for that race.
1: So uh, my girlfriend is a professional runner. She trains here in Boulder with Brad Hudson. Her name's is Aaliyah Gray and she's getting ready for the New York City Marathon, and in that buildup, she'll be doing the Philadelphia Marathon this upcoming weekend, and her and I have set a little interrelationship bet that I cannot beat her in a half marathon, so we're both going out to Philly. I'm trying to beat her her time. Hopefully, in that, I can also help her when she's in the race if, if we're both running about the same pace, but... She has the nice benefit that she's raced a half marathon before. I've run the half marathon distance, but I've never raced at it, so I don't know what it's going to feel like to run that long at that pace. But um she also has the benefit that she gets to train 100 to 120 miles a week and I've been trying to hit about 60 miles a week, which is tough with work. So we'll see how it goes, but that's that's the big competition of the weekend. There's a lot riding on that namely my pride. So Hopefully, hopefully, I'll be able to come through. Well, we'll,
0: we'll listeners, when they tune in, will probably check out the results and see, <laughs> see what happens. The pressure's yeah. on. The pressure is on. The whole world knows. Now, outside of your own running, I know you also do coaching. What's Uh that like to be a coach and how has that kind of impacted your relationship to the running community? I mean, you've had the experience of being an athlete, you're now a chiropractic doctor. I mean, you fill a lot of different roles. You're a runner yourself. You're the partner to a professional runner. I mean, it's your life. So what's being a coach like?
1: Coaching, I think that of anything that I've done from a running perspective that has help me understand the training methodology. Obviously coaching is a big one because you're writing training programs for other people as opposed to just going out there and performing them yourself. So there's a lot of thought process that has to go into not only planning the training stimulus, but when you're I was coaching at a high school level where we had 70 athletes on a cross country team and it was it's challenging when you're dealing with a lot of different abilities in one 90 minute session to try to get in both The types of volume, the types of intensity, the types of strength training that that you feel would be appropriate for that type of individual or that age of individual. So that was the biggest challenge just from a timing standpoint was managing, trying to individualize as much as possible a group type dynamic with a bunch of different ability levels. But with that you also... I mean, you become a psychologist too, because you're dealing with a bunch of different personalities that respond better or worse to certain types of motivation and trying to identify with certain personalities on how to connect with that person to get the most out of that athlete, especially when you're when some of those have the ability that they can compete on in college. And I, one of my athletes that is running in college now, and she, she's a sophomore or going into her junior year, and she was already a D three All American. Was she? Uh, she asked me like she thought I was an awesome high school coach, and my point to her was like, like we we obviously have knowledge when it comes to training, and we're trying to write appropriate workouts. But when you're dealing with the high school level athlete, the psychology tends to be the biggest thing. And I think the thing that helped me was. Obviously, I'm still in my younger years to be able to connect with that younger adult. Like, I put out music playlists that they all listen to, and we had theme days and like things that make the sport fun and not just serious for that high school level athlete. But the psychology component, I think, was what made our team successful and made the athletes want to perform better and want to improve and want to make me proud as a coach. And I think that's the biggest thing that helped me understand a little bit more about the sport was just one, the, the planning of practice, but then also the, the psychology component to almost like, I don't want to say trick the athlete, but like be able to get them to, to engulf their, themselves in the sport. So coaching, coaching is a challenge and it's exhausting and it's a time suck, but it's also very rewarding when you see that connection Going actually into what their competition performance area looks like, so it's uh it was I'm not coaching this year because it was getting to be too much of time away from my practice, but it was something that I really enjoyed doing for the time that I was doing it because you. I would get more nervous for their race than I would get for my own races. I would get more excited and pumped for their performances more so than they would after their performances. Like you put a lot into it as an individual from a coaching side that you're living vicariously through them when they're actually out racing and you feel the pain and heartbreak of subpar performances just as much as you feel the joy of of good ones. So it was uh it's definitely something that comes with its challenges which I think is what drew me to coaching in the first place was it it's a labor of love but it's also something that's that fulfills kind of that competitive nature within you and can obviously be very rewarding at the end of the day because you're seeing an impact on especially at the high school level where it's these, these young kids that they're they're wanting to pursue the sport once they leave the high school level, even if they're not good enough to still continue to compete at a team level. So
0: Completely. And it also sounds like from what you've told us that, you know, high school was a really formative time for you in discovering your love of running. And so it's really cool that it kind of can come full circle in your life. Now, outside...
1: Yeah. I used, to, I used to, sorry to interrupt. I used to joke with the high school kids that uh, I was someone that, like I, I told the story earlier that I'm, I hated it the first time I went out and did it, and here I am coaching it. It was like, like you said, a full circle around, so.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, outside of running and your practice, how do you unplug? I know when I met you, we were talking about an awesome concert you had just gone to, and so what kind of outside of the running sphere really keeps you inspired?
1: Yeah, um, music music is a big, big thing for me. Um, I do go to a lot of concerts during Music and sports. I mean, I watch a ton of sport. Any sport that's on TV, I'll probably watch it. Um,
0: music is a big
1: one. I go to a ton of concerts every year. I I come out with my I call them world famous Richie playlists, where I'll I'll come up with one for each season with fall and winter. And the fall one comes out this next weekend, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and then uh, I I grew up. My mom it was kind of a different, like I said, my dad was in the healthcare profession, but my mom was an art teacher. And so kind of having that balance between objective and subjective. Um, I tried to do a lot of home art projects or refinishing furniture or, um, yeah, I have a big, great dane too, that it's fun to take him out and get on hikes and stuff too, that there's a lot of, uh, when I'm outside the office, it's, I I do a lot of reading as it relates to research articles and stuff like that, but I do, I need that other atmosphere to kind of balance me out because I can't just be in, like, I have to have music and sports and being in the outdoors and going out for my own runs to kind of balance out the professional stuff, so.
0: Totally. Now, who is one person that you would like to meet, whether... They're living or dead or like who's someone that you feel like is on your bucket list to sit down to coffee with
1: oh that's a good one um honestly and he's pretty close to me pretty close here and I would probably I've met him once before but it was just in a brief passing but I think to have an extensive conversation with him would probably be Mark Wetmore And the reason why I say that is because from a running side, he obviously gets the most out of his athletes. And he's someone that his resume is obviously pretty impressive, but he gets the most out of athletes that also quite a few of them weren't the most heavily recruited athletes. They showed some prowess when they were in high school, but he was able to take them and put them on an international level. So that's something from just a knowledge base in general when it comes to distance running and stuff is he'd be impressive to talk to just from training, especially since he's, from from what I understand, he's probably the closest thing to Arthur Lydiard It's Arthur Lydiard himself. Like uh, from what, how I understand it too, he lived with Lydiard for a while and learned a lot of his methodology and training type focus that, I mean, what, uh, a lot of my friends here in Boulder used to run at CU, and some of them said that when they were in high school, they knew they wanted to go to CU, not because they wanted to go be good college athletes, but they wanted to be good professional athletes. And they knew that Wetmore was someone that would be able to take them to that next level. But also, talking to them post-collegiately now, he, he's a very, it sounds like, eccentric man, where he's got a lot of quirks and nuances that I feel like there are some, like he would just be an interesting person to talk to not just from a running perspective but just like his experiences growing up as whether it be a runner or a young coach or just traveling in general like um, he's just he seems like a very quirky individual that I think would be just a fun conversation in general and yeah, he from a coffee sit down coffee me, like, that would be someone that would be pretty fun.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'm actually rereading Running with the Buffaloes right now, and I would definitely say he's up there on my list as well. He sounds like an incredible man, coach. He's very well-read. Yeah, he sounds like a pretty brilliant person.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Now, to close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Okay. Sunrise or Sunset.
1: Ooh, uh I'd probably say sunrise. Um, my mom grew up on a dairy farm, so we were always up pretty early in the morning. And there's something rewarding about being up when the sun's up and getting a lot accomplished and knowing you still have the whole day to, to do other things. So.
0: Now, you live in Boulder, so I, f- I feel like I know the answer to this one. But mountains or oceans?
1: <laughs> Ironically,
0: ocean. Oh, I grew you up in California.
1: <laughs> I grew up in Southern California. and. My brother was always a snowboarder. I was a surfer, and I always used to joke growing up that I could never move away from the beach, and here I am in the mountains, and he was closer to the beach up than I was up until a few weeks ago when he moved up here as well. And um, Yeah, I miss the beach. I don't miss the traffic that comes with the beach, but I definitely miss the, the idea of the beach and even like the surf culture. Although the, the mountain running, ultra running... And snowboarder culture is pretty close to that surf, surfing culture as well. So
0: totally, tea or coffee?
1: Oh, coffee! I, I joke with patients that coffee is my spinach as it is the Popeye. So I uh, I drink I drink a lot of it. I'm usually pretty heavily caffeinated.
0: And my last one is: Would you rather fly or be invisible?
1: Uh, probably fly. I'm a little bit of a jet setter, so getting. Things, getting on a plane and traveling to someplace new, um, being able to kind of get out into the open a little bit, sounds sounds pretty exciting.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Hansen, for coming on the Running on Ohm podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: Om. Um, thanks for listening to episode 81 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Dr. Richard Hansen chiropractic doctor, high school cross-country coach, and runner. If you would like to connect with Dr. Hansen and the Running on Ohm community, you can find us on runningonom.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I asked this at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to remind you all again, please consider leaving a review of the podcast on iTunes. The more reviews the podcast gets, the easier it will be for like-minded people to find it on the iTunes interface. It will take you less than two minutes and make a world of difference. I know there have been thousands of listens to the podcast and really would love to hear from you about what you think. The 30th person to leave a review gets a sweet prize from Running On Home, so please leave a review and be considered for the surprise prize. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.